And hello, Recovery Fam, and welcome back to the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, Drew. And I put the fun and dysfunctional. I'm Palmer. Without further delay, roll that intro. Unashamed Recovery Podcast. Yep, that's how it's the done. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh, Drew, and Palmer starts now. This is episode 56. This is Renewal, Breaking Generational Curses. Today's episode verse comes from Jeremiah 31, 29 through 30. And as you're getting this episode, this is the, the first of a brand new year. We hope you had a good holiday season we look forward for many episodes to come this year. 30. And what a great way to get started than to talk about renewal. This is a brand new year. Things are, are new. The possibilities are endless. And new what, year, new me, baby. Woo! Finna right. make it fresh. That's right. New diet. That's right. All things I'm getting new. skinny this year. Me too. And so what a better way to start off this this year than to talk about renewal. Well, renewal of what? Breaking generational curses. Today, we are joined by Monica Weber, the owner of A New Counseling and Wellness Faith-Based Counseling in McGee, Mississippi, also available in Tennessee and Louisiana, and coming soon to Texas. Texas, be on the lookout for that. And what a, a great name for a, a counseling service, a right? new did you say Louisiana? Louisiana. <laughs> Louisiana. Okay. It is a great name for a, a yeah. recovery. And, and I, I love the fact that it's faith-based. Right. Yes. It's not just, look, look, we've said it a million times. It, however you get your recovery is however you get re- your recovery. If you need to go to AANA, I, I, we don't care. We want you to recover from whatever you're suffering from. However, we've said it here on the podcast many times. We are all about faith-based because I personally can't speak for everybody. I'm assuming I can, but I personally believe you can't do it without God. Right. That's right. Well, the fact that, you know, uh, there's a lot of stigma in, you know, religion and churches about when it comes to therapy and stuff like that, that, you know, that God doesn't want you to go to therapists and stuff like that, but with it being faith-based. Just pray about it, Drew. Yeah. Just pray about it. Yeah. 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 We did talk about that in one of the episodes. You need to pray about it. If you check out uh, our last episode, Grief, Blue Christmas, uh, you'll hear that, yes, we do agree. You need to pray about it, but... It needs to be talked about as well. People like Monica are here to help. There's nothing wrong with having Jesus and a therapist. That's right. Nothing wrong with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So let's get into Put this. Put that on a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Jesus and a the therapist. That's right. So let's go ahead and get into this. Hashtag this, t-shirt. Uh, this, episode, <laughs> this episode is actually coming from Facebook. Uh, back in October, October 26th. This don't look nothing like Facebook. Full social media. This episode all came together because of a post that Monica had made on Facebook, is what Josh is trying to say. Right. And when Josh saw this post, it really touched his heart, really got him yeah. thinking. And uh, I think that's how we, we all ended up here. Yeah. And just to, to let all y'all know, and through the, the magic of podcasting, that post is, is up to us to break generational curses. 
When people say it runs in the family, you tell them, and this is where it ran out. Hashtag chainbreaker. Hashtag put that on a t-shirt. And when I saw that, <laughs> I was like, man, that's what it is. Like that, that right there, that's an unashamed recovery episode topic if I ever saw one. Amen. Breaking generational yep. curses. And so I reached out to Monica, and Monica was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let, let's talk about breaking generational curses. And so then I was like, well, what is a generational curse? A generational curse is the, basically the definition of that is an ancestral sin or a generational sin or an ancestral fault. It is the doctrine that in individuals inherit the judgment for the sin of their ancestors. It exists primarily as a concept in the Mediterranean religions, but generational sin is also referenced in the Bible. And I had no clue. I knew we always had talked about it in churches, but I never knew that generational sin was actually in Scripture. And so when I saw that, I was like, that's interesting. And so, go ahead. I know you're dying. Go ahead. For those of y'all that are like me and don't know what the word ancestral means, those are people that came before us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yes. I just check in because <laughs> I got very limited, <laughs> limited education. That's people that are beyond your great-grandfather, great-grandmother. That's, that's people that you don't know about. Bloodline. It's yes. your bloodline. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I like people that. People that you came Back from. to the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Back to the basics. Some from Adam to us. Pretty much. Put that on the t-shirt. Put, oh, my God. So, <laughs> and so there's several verses that, that we have found that talk about generational sin. And those all are going to be in the show notes for all those that are, that are listening home. And if you're watching, hey, this is our first episode with a video. So you could be watching this on YouTube. It's going to be in the show notes either way. We're but We're going to be on YouTube? We're on YouTube. YouTube, YouTube baby. Wow. So all like, these verses are going to be in the show notes, but the main verse that we're going to be talking about here in this episode is Jeremiah 31, 29 through 30. And Monica, since we're, we're talking, you're our guest today, we would like for you to read. What's, what is Jeremiah 30, 29 through 31? All right. It says, in those days, people will no longer say the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Instead, everyone will die for their own sin. Whoever eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. That was not the New King James Version. No, no, no. not at all. No. Not at all. <laughs> in short, um, basically what it's saying is that we will no longer be held accountable for the sins of our ancestors oh. or our parents. That's um, all up on us. That, That's good. That they if we eat some that. sour grapes, you know, it's on, it's, it's on us. It's on our teeth now. So. I don't suggest <laughs> you know what sour grapes. When, the, when they're talking about parents, you know, they're talking about first parents, Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's where sin really began and broke free, you know, and that's where it really kind of it sits with us and continues on through, through on. generation and generation and generation. Right. That's right. Because so, we were condemned with Adam. Absolutely. Eve. Most definitely we were. And it was Eve's fault. <laughs> Just saying. So, Monica, you know, as we've been talking about this, I know that you have a personal story with generational curses. Now, later in the episode, we're going to be shifting and we're going to give everybody out there some tips on if you're going through some generational curses, how you can get out of that. But before we do, 
Monica, we're going to get your side of this. You, you have a personal story with generational curses, and every story starts off with a chapter one. What would chapter one be called for your story? I would say survival of a statistic. Nice. I have. <laughs> I like it. Nice. I have I like survived. <laughs> Put that on a T-shirt. We may. I, I'm going to make that a T-shirt, guys. <laughs> be, be looking out. Um, because hey, that that's exactly be what I am. Groups. I'm a survivor of um, situations that statistically I shouldn't have made, made it, it out, out from. So. Yeah. Man, that's, so, so, surviving. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, with a, with a chapter one title like that, you know it's going to be good. So go ahead and take us into where your story starts. Sure. So... Um, of course, we could start out by saying this went wrong, that went wrong, you know, and I did this, this, and this because of these things. But I want to start off by saying that I am no longer a victim. Um, I went through things that formed me into who I am today, and I'm thankful for that. I will say that the journey began when I was sexually abused um, as a child. I was nine during that time, um, life was pretty good. You know, I had went through a few things. My parents um, made some decisions that they have since corrected. Um, but due to their decisions, I was left to basically be out here on my own in a lot of instances to where I was faced with foster care, sexual abuse, um, feeling alienated, feeling like I didn't have anywhere to turn. It was then that God really spoke to me in such a way that I began to understand that I was never alone. Um, if I wouldn't have went through some of the things that I did, I would have never went on my spiritual journey. So I say that to say, no, I'm not a victim, but at the same time, it did happen. Yeah. I have found that a lot of people are scared to talk about what they've been through because they're labeled. Yeah. And... Being a sexual abuse survivor, being um, a child of, of parents that have been in addiction, um, it can be embarrassing. You know, I would love to sit here and tell you that that was just in my childhood, but even as an adult, you're bullied about it. Um, things that you say and do, well, you know, her parents are, are ex-addicts or this happened, you know, and so you become uncredible or your works go unnoticed because of the sins of your family. Um, it's too often that now I counsel children and, and they come in and they say, well, we're called trash and we're called this and that because of our parents' mistakes. And I have to pour into them and let them know that that's not true. They have the right to be happy and live a life that they are proud of. And so I've had to really fight hard because I grew up in a home where I wasn't made to go to church. I did not um, hear about Jesus often. And so I always had that feeling of wanting to know him. Um, one quick story, uh, wanted to go and get baptized and never had anybody to take me. And I was seeing it on TV and I was thinking, I've got to get baptized because I really want to know this man. I want to know who this is in my, in my head. That's telling me you're okay. I love you. You got this. You can do this. And I ran that bathtub, and I'm telling you, I baptized myself. Amen. And I came out of that water, guys, and my little heart was just believing. And I was thinking, you know, I am a child of God, and 
I really feel like in those moments where we really give it to him and we start to understand through our pain, that's when God speaks to us the most. most he is close to the brokenhearted. Um, can we can we just stop right here just for yes. just for a second? Just like first of all, you're talking about your your parents are um, you know they're addicts, right? You want to elaborate? Sure. So my father um, made a good many bad choices, um, dealing drugs, being on drugs. Um, you know, he would go to prison many holidays. You know, that's how I communicated with my dad was through the mail. Right. Um, I had to learn the hard way of what it was like to be out here alone, um, to where you would see other people with their parents or protecting them. And here I am out here defenseless, you know. So I had to understand that I was really all I had in many moments. Um, While he chose the addiction, chose drug dealing, things like that, it affected me in a lot of negative ways, ways that I wouldn't realize until I got older. My mother, wonderful mother, um, battled depression, anxiety, um, things that kind of drove her into drug use. Um, During that time, she made a lot of bad decisions, and ultimately, um, I was affected. Um, Going to foster care, having to feel everything that I didn't understand, thinking, "Could could this have been prevented? Am I a bad kid, you know? Um, There's a lot of things that go through your mind at that age. You don't really understand because you see your mom as this hero, as this wonderful person, um, because to me she was. But to the outside world, the truth was is that she was masking this pain with substance. Um, I personally have never been drunk, done drugs, but I'm affected by addiction. And so that's why I'm here today because there's many people that say, well, that's them. I don't do it. So what's it matter to me? We go through the addiction with our parents. We go through the addiction with our loved ones. And when we're healing and they're unhealed, it's hard to really get along in that time because they look at us as bringing up the past. So, (laughs) you know, how many? Yeah, yeah. So I say that to say it's very important for family reunification. And that's what I do now is I set the parent down, the child down, and I try to explain from a standpoint of the child because that child grows up to be me. Right. And so we have to make better choices for our future, for our children, um, and it all starts by breaking those chains, whether it's addiction, sexual abuse, pornography, whatever the case may be. The list goes on and on because Satan is hard at work. So I've had to break those things so that my children aren't affected. So, okay, we're not living in a Christian home. How do we know about Jesus? How do, where, does, where does the idea of there's a, a God in heaven, there's, he sent his son, where does all that enter in, in, into your, your head? You're, you're wanting to be with this man that, that you feel is talking to you. You, you want to be baptized enough to where you've gone to, into the bathtub, which I think is amazing. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, baptize yourself. that's the first, that's the first <laughs> for me to hear somebody <laughs> baptize yourself in a bathtub. But I mean, I... But, I have an answer to that. I applaud but how that. did we get there? How do you know about God and Jesus? I believe that I did go to church. Uh, it was Bethel Baptist in Memphis, and the church bus used to actually come and pick us up. And I'd be out there just waiting. You know? Is this from foster care? No, I was I was living with my mother at the time. Okay. okay. And um, I'd be out there waiting. 
And I wanted to go because my friends were there. But really, it was the food. They fed us on that bus. There was pizza, snow cones, whatever they could do to lure us there. Amen. Churches in the um, South have been doing it with food, food. for the longest time. That's exactly right. Me. I promise. So when I went, it was the love of the people. Yeah. It was the, the real Christians that are out here not judging, you know, coming to um, places in bad neighborhoods or trailer parks or things like that where they're recruiting and saying, you know what, this may not be the best of circumstances, but these children matter. So the few times that I did go, I felt a sense of love that I had never felt. Mm. And I wanted more of it. I become hungry for it. Um, now well, that, I would that explains that explains a lot. Yes. I got that. And and you know, she was suffering with alcoholism and I think anything that brought me happiness because she still was a loving mother, it's just she was trying to make up for some of the things that she was doing. Um, definitely I knew that my family believed in Jesus, but the acts that they would show would not show that of a Christian home. Right. Um Talk wasn't meant in the walk. Right. So, of course, you know, when, when people get in their lowest, it was, God, please help me. You know, God, please, please um, help us. But there was never any praise. There was never, thank you for this. Um, and that's just like out here in today's society, too. We go to him and when we're in troubled times. That's right. You know? No atheist in a foxhole. That's right. So I will say <laughs> that he has really always guided me. That's basically right. is what it is. Absolutely. The minute you start, the world's gone to hell in a handbasket. You're like, oh, Jesus, please help me. Help me, help me, yes. I know I didn't believe in you five minutes ago, but now it, that I'm about to die. Starting to do much. the bargaining. That's right. I promise if I can I make it. I swear to God, if you'll just take me out of this. So, Monica, here you are. You're you're being bused to this church in Memphis. You know, mom's kind of letting you run the streets, you know, because she needs a break probably. Um, but But you're getting fed in a way, and you're being blessed in a way that nobody could have saw coming. You're going to this church, you're finding that there's, there are people out there that even though mom and dad, you know, they love you, right? you know, they, but you know that you obviously realize they have issues. Right. And so they're not as loving as that is, as you need right. at that time in, in your life. And you're finding that at this new church. Yes. Okay. So now we, we kind of know about God. Take us from have we been molested yet? Yes. Um, so it happened twice. Um, at this point, it was um, a neighbor. And cool, quick story. Um, I am the first minor child to wear a wire for the state of Mississippi. Um, the man that molested me, which was my neighbor, I was playing with his granddaughter in the apartments that we lived um, did what he did. And when the police were notified, they said, well, we don't have any physical evidence because time has went by. Right. I was ashamed to tell. Um, and so finally, when that did happen, they said, well, we want you to wear this and here's how we're going to do this. And I was scared to death, but all yeah. I could think about was that little girl, the three-year-old granddaughter. And if he had touched her, which I just felt so strongly about, so God gave me the strength to go through with it, go up to him. He talked about it. He had threatened me um, not to tell, of course. And then after that, he was um, arrested. Um, the little girl, I'm sad to say, but she suffered injuries. Um, mm. This had mm. been going on. There was child pornography that was found. I feel like I was put in that position. God knew that I was strong enough to make it out. But at the same time, 
And I know this sounds very crazy to some people, but I'm thankful. Sorry. I'm thankful because I know that if that wouldn't have happened to me, what the outcome would have been. So I sit and I say that these things have happened and and all these unfortunate circumstances, but in the line of work that I do now, I'm able to talk to these young men and women about sexual abuse, being able to understand them, being able to um, put myself in a position to say, hey, I made it out and you can do it too. Well, I... I'd just like to stop right now and just, if you're watching this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast, and you've ever been sexually uh, molested, abused in any kind of way, the first thing I want you to know is it's not your fault. It's never your fault, okay? The second thing I want you to know is I don't know what statutes of limitations are, but tell somebody. Absolutely. Always tell somebody. Absolutely. And if you have any kind of thought that that's being done to somebody that you know and love, Tell somebody. Reach out. Find out. Because there's so many people that hide it for so long. Right. Just like you did. Absolutely. You know, and just the fear and, and him being an older man. And, and you know, he, he would say things like, I'm going to kill you and your family. And just, you know, and, and my cousin, I loved my cousin. He was my best friend. And so, that you know, they use, sexual predators use what they see. They see you out playing with a favorite toy yeah. or, or with a loved one or a friend. They're going to use that. Just like he said, reach out, tell someone. Um, if I would have never told, it it would have kept happening possibly to other children. Right. Right. So I agree 100%. You know, we live in a world to where some children now feel like, who cares? Who cares who I tell? So what if I tell? What, what's going to be done about it? Yeah. No one cares about me. And it's in the poverty neighborhoods. It's in the neighborhoods where children are made to feel like a what? A statistic. I have felt that same feeling, being ridiculed or talked down to or treated differently than other children because of of maybe my parents and their mistakes or things that have happened. You know, they find out that, oh, your family has been in criminal activity or arrested or an addiction. You automatically become that. That becomes right. you. No, that is not who I am. It's not the mother I am. It's not the woman I am. And it's not the Christian I am. I think that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about it, especially if they have that kind of uh, that kind of background. It's like it's almost like I could be totally wrong, but it, it feels like when I hear stories like this that people are like, "Well, your parents were addicts, and so oh, they, they discount yeah. you and dismiss yeah. you. Yes. Yeah, it's, automatic, like, it's almost an automatic dismissal. Or it happened so long ago. Why are you bringing it up? Yeah, now? why are you bringing it up now? Yeah, yeah. True. and. You know, I think this is where people get stuck. Yeah. And this is where, you know, people don't want to talk about it. They want to just sweep it under the rug. And if you never address it, you're stuck in it. Absolutely. And when you are stuck in it, it affects you. And then it affects your kids. It affects your spouse. Right. It becomes that generation. Every curse. relationship yes. after that after that is affected. Yep. Yes, and you know whether it be um, a marriage or um, you know with your children or you, you just learn to mask things and you think okay well if I don't think about it then did it did it really happen and so that's what I'm experiencing now with women my age and sometimes older you go back and you know it, everyone says oh it's childhood trauma you know well that's the truth 
it really is because we become that. We become what happened to us, and we don't realize that if we fix that problem, that God's going to give us that grace. He's going to give us that um, feeling that everything now is fresh. Everything is new. And so once I gave that to God, I understood that it was something I went through. It wasn't who I am. Right. It doesn't define me. And so I started looking at things totally different, but I was a person that I did let it define me. And I, I covered up, I wore boy clothes, I was a tomboy, I, you know, I didn't I was going to say, you're either going to go one way yeah. or the other. Mm-hmm. You're either going to go, when it comes to sexual abuse, from what I understand, from what I've heard, you're going one way or the other. You're mm-hmm. either all in, I'm having sex with everybody. Yeah. Or... All out. You refrain from any. I don't want to. I don't even want it. Like you just said, I'm wearing baggy clothes. I don't want to look like a girl. I don't want that attention. Right. Right. So either you're going, I want all the attention. Okay. I've had this and this is how I get the attention. This is, this is, uh, this is how life's supposed to be. Right. Or I'm all out. I'm going to cover up. I don't want to be, I don't, don't look at me like that. Yes. Don't look at me like that. Because some of these children, bad attention is better than no attention. Yeah. True. And so when I would wear, uh, you know, baggy clothes, skateboarding, you know, all those things, I I never looked at it until I was older, the reason why, you know, I just, but I did eventually start doing my hair and makeup not too long ago, um, but I just identified myself as a person that didn't want that attention because it would draw men to look at me. And so it's, that is very, very accurate. So we're going to pause for just a second because you made mention of two things that we got to get clarification on. Okay. You said baggy jeans and skateboard. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you own a pair of Jinko jeans? Absolutely, and kickwear too. Hold on, and and the metal airwalks. Yes, and the the bead necklaces. The the Slipknot shirts, the whole nine yards. Well, what does that surprise you? No, no. Just, it does everybody else. Well, it, do, it does. It does surprise me a little bit because she's only twenty-two. Oh, thank you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we all went through I that. Definitely. I, I had the big, the big black kickwear. Yeah, I wore K Swiss classics. I still, oh, I still can't let cargo pants go. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Do you have the chain or no? Uh, no, I don't have the chain. I never did the chain. I did the chain while at the skating rink. You know, it would drag the ground. Oh my oh, goodness! Yeah. And, and on a rainy day, uh, it was wet all the way up to your knees. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was just that was just the fad. I like it. All That's right. True. Well, we, we welcome we, back to the nineties, people. <laughs> right. I was like, you had to have, but the bottom of the shoe, like the bottom of the pants had to cover the shoe. Yes, absolutely. There was no way that 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 pants was going to work. It was bell bottoms times 12. Yes. Yes. Always. It was like sweepers. If you were to fall off a building, you were safe because you were going to parachute. Absolutely. (laughs) And I will say that that was just the style that I was drawn to and the music and the Tina. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that that was all due to sexual abuse. It was just um, when it come to showing cleavage or, you know, things like that, I steered away from right. uh, because of the sexual abuse. So. I mean, was that crowd, did you feel like that crowd was more accepting as well? No. Did um, you feel like you were I kind was, of a... I was very popular in school. I was always joking. I was, my friend group was black, white, Mexican. It didn't matter. I was friends with everyone, um, and I always tried to bring unity um, I was always joking. I think a lot of that was masking the hurt that I was mm-hmm. going through. Yep. But I will tell that. you, I, I really enjoyed school. School was kind of a way to get away from what I was going through at home. Um, 
and then to, you know, just seeing my friends that had become yeah. like my family that were going through the same things. Um, so you have music that kind of brought us together or fashion or just so many, so many things. Um, and when you're that age, those things really matter, oh, you yeah. know, because sometimes that's all you have. So I often wonder, um, you know, if it wouldn't have been for them, would I have gotten through some of the days that I just didn't feel like being here? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, you find that family at, uh, away from your house of trauma. Right. Yep. Yeah. You know, a bunch of kids that were going through it. Right. You know, that's, that's what or we even, were. You know, even if they didn't know you were going through it or, or even if they weren't going through something similar, it was still like, yeah. this is my escape. People knew. They just didn't talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, it, it was very few times that I would tell my business because I loved my mom and, and I still love my mom. And like I said, it was embarrassing, but also I always felt like, well, you know, if I ignore it, then, then is it, it real? Is, do, yeah. I, do I have to keep, you know, reliving it? Uh, because I felt like one day I would just wake up and she would be different. You know, she would be the mom that, and, and you know, I say this to say my mother still keeps a very, very spotless house. It, it was very hard to see what she was going through from the outside. Right. Um, you know, she struggled a lot. Her husband was on hospice. Her dad was on hospice. She was their caretaker. It was a lot of things that Satan was attacking her mentally um, and emotionally and spiritually to turn to alcoholism, to turn to um, other pills and things of that nature. Um, at first, it was just my dad. You know, he, he was going to jail. He was dealing drugs. And then Satan was like, well, let's get what she has left. Right. Let's try to turn her to go out here and, and yeah. live that lifestyle. And so my grandmother played a huge role in my life of taking me in and getting me out of foster care. Uh, foster care. Um, we didn't have the best relationship. She was old school, very, very strict, <laughs> very, very strict. Um, but so I will I say she did not like the Jinko James. You know, she didn't care about any of that. She just didn't <laughs> want me to leave the porch. Yeah, right. She didn't want me to leave the porch or talk on the phone. Like it was, it was. Honey, the, you do your kickflips right there. On that's those right. Steps. That's, that's right. right. You she, don't leave this driveway. Not at all. Not that's at all. Aim. My parents. Were she the had same cameras way before, like the ring doorbell. I'm serious. Like you could see it. I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Does, you, you remember those big? Yes, that, that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. She had one of them boxes. <laughs> yes, yes. It was right on her car, you know. So we would always try to sneak through like this, you know, and go through the door, and it just never worked. Um, but I'm thankful for her, and I'm thankful for Grace. I'm thankful that my parents uh, changed. My mother is my best friend. She is a strong, strong woman and the best nana. And, you know, I will say this to anybody that's going through this out there. It's hard to forgive, especially when people are not sorry. Um, there were times where my mom and and other people that I've counseled, uh, parents, they, they don't realize the trauma that they've done. They don't realize what the child has been through, and they think, well, it's over. That's the past. Like Josh said, let's sweep it under the rug. Right. It creates a turmoil, and that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants us to be enemies. He doesn't want to to rekindle that relationship of that parent, that mother, that daughter bond that we had. And so I've had to forgive even where my mother at the time was not sorry. And that's really hard. It's hard to do because we feel like, well, this is my mom. She should, she should understand what I went through. But I have to pray about it, and I have to know that God is going to work on her heart and his timing. It's not right. Monica's timing. 
even though that's what I want. Well, and also, one of the main aspects of forgiving or forgiveness yes. is not about the other person. It's about what the act of forgiveness does for you. Yes, right? so that's, you can move on. Yes. and it, it cuts that tie to what's holding you back. Absolutely. And for so long, I was that person. You know, I would call her names and say, well, you're this and you're that, and, and being young and not understanding and having to take the shame, like we were talking about earlier. Um, so as I grew and as I learned, you know, we all sin in different ways. And my Most mom's just happened to be addiction. Right. So are there people out here saying these things about me that I've done wrong and, and pointing their finger uh, because maybe I had it better? So I had to give her grace and I had to understand Jesus says to forgive and not forgive and mention it again. So as I get older, I had to really understand what forgiveness really is. That's sometimes meeting them where they're at. Um, my mom is still on her healing journey. She's doing great. She's sober. Um, my dad is sober. He um, he does the the jail ministry, and um, oh, so that no, no, he's okay. out. He's out. Um, awesome. But he, awesome. he talks to younger men about prison and, and his walk, and That's so awesome. it really is. And you know, my mother, I think one day she's going to end up talking as well because she did, you know, um, go very briefly to prison as well. But I learned so much from my parents that helped me in my job. And so I always say that maybe they went through those things so that I could help other people. I always try to find the positive and the negative. But at the same time, it looks like you've turned around and pulled them out with you. I've tried. And I would love to take a little bit of... um, or blame God for that, you. but Jesus yeah. did that. He he right. is ultimately. But I think their love. Saying. I think their love for me is is what you're saying. They love me so much. It was either me or that addiction. Right. And so my parents, quick funny, they I moved away. You know, started a life, kind of just got out of that environment, and my parents came one by one. And when they came, they so, came so where to where I were? was at. Yeah. And my dad got on at the steel mill, you know, and my you mom. You can leave, but I'm coming yeah, they to come, That's what I tell my wife me. all the time. Yeah. You can leave anytime you want to, yeah. but I'm coming to That's right. So then uh, another cool story. So I'm like, you know, there's nothing here in this town. Like I, 10 years later, I'm venturing off down this way. You know, Jackson, Hattiesburg. They stayed. So not only did they move to be with me, but I left them in a town. That they, that they have no, no But they love it there. It's Halla County. Shout out. Um, so, you know, they're, they're happy there. And so it's just enough. I think so. But like, you know the good part? You, you want to know what the good part is? They have to call before they can just show up now. So, like, there's a little distance there. That's Isn't right. that good? Yeah. yeah. You see you see what I was I doing there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I say that to say. So, you created a mass exodus, and then yes. it was a singular exodus. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because we're from Memphis, by the way. And, and everybody knows, you know, in towns that are heavy populated, you know, poverty, things like that, there's addiction. Yeah. It's a lot more than. It's a lot easier to the, get. Right. Get into you, that lifestyle and behind the scenes into that the dark, the darker world. Right. Yeah. So I just my main thing was leave, get away from it. You know, my friends were dying of fentanyl and heroin. You know, all these different things. I I look back at the the class that that I went to school with, and there's hardly any any of us left. So this isn't just a my wow. family thing. This is. Yeah. And you know, taking over. You, you look at a lot of people who are living in successful recovery and sobriety, and 
one of the main uh, common factors is they had to leave that environment. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. How many at our Celebrate Recovery, because our Celebrate Recovery is made up of the community, but also we have a rehab that comes in and New people leaf. from all over the state come to that facility and they get to come to our Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights. And they're from all over mm-hmm. and they tell me, I would hey, say about I'm staying. 45% of them have stayed. Yeah, like, I'm not going Wonderful. back home because yeah. I'm not going to relapse. I'm staying here. And they're still sober. Yep. Like, they have to get out of that environment. And so that's almost. Because even that. places, from what I have found, can be a trigger. Oh, just yeah. just looking at the store you used to hang out at yeah. or where you used to go get, you know, what was needed yeah. for, for the addiction. And, and um, then, too, you know, I was reading the other day. Um, relationships, you know, um, being around people that you've used with, but still loving them and having to not be around them. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where a lot of people are suffering because they feel like, well, if they're getting sober, they're leaving that that other person behind. And so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm dealing a lot with that, with, with some people that I'm talking to. And, you know, the Bible says that we are accountable for us. So, at the end of the day, you have to put yourself first, and that's very hard, especially for people like me, because I want to try to fix people. I want to try to help, but I have to understand, too, that sometimes I have to come first. I so, tried to fix somebody, and it literally took me through the worst three-month relapse of my life, but that's what got me here. Amen. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, I mean, but, you can't, like we said many, many, a million times, you can't go back into the pit or go back into Egypt. Right. Until you're absolutely ready, until God tells you, That's right. right? I want you. I was not ready. I was there, maybe a year clean a at time. that time. That's right. And I thought that I could go help him break his curse. I mm-hmm. thought I could help him yes. through his his trouble. Hey, man, I'm I'm doing this program. I'm reading this here, you know. And I started going through it with him, but then he bust out. He just know, wasn't there where you were yet at all. And not even nowhere close. I mean, he busted out his little bag of stuff, wow. and then it was just kind of like, was it? Was it John that, that talked about? I'm on like 12 different podcasts. So. Um, <laughs> yes, it was John. Was it John that talked about yeah. David having to leave the 40 on the other side of the... The, the, the 400. The 400, sorry. On the other side of the, the yeah. river, you know, and he's like, look, there, he had to leave the week over there so he could get across, get do established, yeah. get everything good, and then... Then go back. Then he yep. came back and said, okay, I didn't abandon y'all. Right. And so I, I do think it's hard, especially if you have a close friend. I've never been through what y'all been through. Right. So, but I, I think it's hard if you have a close friend that's going through the same thing and you start to get clean and you're like, I want oh, I, you to I have the same thing. Right. For you. Right. right. But if you're not ready. Like I was trying to get him to walk through the valley with me. Right. And we were going to climb that mountain together. <laughs> right. It just didn't, that's not, that was he not God's. He hadn't hit his rock bottom yet. No, I always, no. I, I keep in my head all the time. Jesus is going to go back for that one. Yeah. He's going to go back. And I have to move forward and keep doing what we're doing. Um, and I'm just going to give it to you. I'm going to give this to you because I'm weak. And right. I can't continue to take right. on other people's addictions and burdens and traumas. And A part of that is also codependency. Yeah. yeah. Enabling, yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, on our codependency episode last year, we were joined by Aislin J. Rowe of open minds counseling and she made a great reference to scripture with codependency she made a reference of the good samaritan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah the good samaritan 
found the man beaten, took him, put him up, paid for him to get well. But he didn't do all of it. He had somebody else. He, 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 he took care of the man without being codependent. Right, right. Without being present, right. basically. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. He was like, I'm, I'm taking you here. I'm going to get you the help, but yes. I can't stay here yeah. and nurse you back to help. I have to go. Yes. It's like I'm hard going. love. Yeah. You yes. know, it's, so, it's, so you lead the horse to the water if it don't drink. It's the horse, <laughs> not yes. you. That's right. Yeah. You drown it. So, Monica, we, <laughs> clearly this has not just been chapter one, right? We've moved yeah, through chapter. Chapter twelve at this point, right? I've never heard Palmer speak in rewind. I think so. I'm just like, it, 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 it just keeps going. So, but you're right. It, it's it's many events. Where do, so okay? Where does it make instead of instead of making this you know two different episodes like we had to do with Drew? Um, Ouch. Where where would you like to fast forward to next? Are we I know as we were off air we talked about hospice. And that's kind of what led you to where with your degrees and stuff like that. So uh, is there something before that, that that you want to get into or do you want to skip straight to like, why, why are you in hospice? Why, why did you feel to, to do what you were doing? Um, kind of take us to where, where, sure. what's the next before we go to a break right. and then we tell people how I got you. Um, to, yeah. So it's fairly simple becoming a teen mom. Uh, before we, how old were you? I was 18. So I I really think that, I think so. I feel like um, God put him into my life to keep me grounded. Um, And I'll always believe that because I look around and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I could have been doing this, that, this, that. But the love for my child was greater than any of that. And so that. Can I just stop right here and say, do not have a baby for that. Oh my goodness, yes. Very very <laughs> true, very true. I was I was getting it, there. It, it worked for her. <laughs> might not work for you. Don't be having babies to think that they're gonna level you out. Preach. Some of y'all gonna get crazy like us three up here. Yeah. Right, also, Monica. no 13th stepping. A relationship is not gonna fix your sobriety issues. Get sober and then find somebody. No, Absolutely. no dating Absolutely. within the first year, 18 months, really. No dating until you're at least 35. Well, my son just turned 19, and so I preach that all the time. Do not do this. Do not do that. Um, because it was a lot of hardship. Yeah. That's funny. Um, my daughter's 19. It's a baby, really? It's yeah. a baby raising a baby. It is. And I think that he got the worst version of me. Um because I was still going through all that trauma, still healing, still finding my way. And so I was overstimulated a lot of the time. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with so much going on. But at the same time, I am grateful, even though I was not ready. So, yes, like he said, absolutely. You know, I, I definitely am against teen pregnancy. So, I well, have two not teenagers. just teen pregnancy, but I see, I see married people that, like, have no business still being married. That's a whole nother podcast, I know. isn't it? <laughs> it is. Married it is. Have, That's a whole nother podcast. Married people ain't got no business. <laughs> Still being married, and they're like, you know what'll fix this? A baby. A baby. Well, no. no, it won't. No. <laughs> so your son got to see what you call the worst of you. I believe so. Yes. Does um, he still hold it against you? We bicker and fight. <laughs> we bicker and fight like we're brother and sister. Um, well, you- he is six two, three sixty. You know, he's. I'm still like, get down here. Um, I'm your mom. You know, I will come over. <laughs> yeah, like. But he um, he is a preacher. 
um, at Startville at Mississippi State, and he nice. preaches on campus. And he God's just, country. He is. Mm. He was. He is. What I say, both my children are the best part of me. He is an old Miss fan, but they didn't have his degree. Whoa, they didn't whoa, have his degree whoa, there. Whoa. So now he went to state. Um, he's still confused. It's okay. Know, we he, have to break that curse. He's going too. through motions, you know. He's, he's, it's a curse he's getting you got to break. That's all it is. I hear you. It's been a Dylan, if you're watching. Um, but I will <laughs> Go to LSU, say, it's better. <laughs> I will say that he did get some broken parts of me. Right. Um, but I think, too, all. it's formed him. Yes. It's formed him into who he is. He's compassionate. He he loves the Lord. Um, he saw me at my worst, but he has also saw me at my best. When yeah. I was giving my life to God fully, you know, um, do you want me to get into the, should I just shift this now? Or? Yeah. Okay, so that kind of prepared me for um, a different step in my life, motherhood. Um, that's when I really started working hard. What do I want to do? How is this going to affect my future and my children? It wasn't until God said, you know what? I'm going to set you down and you're going to listen to me. You're right. going to do what I've asked you to do. Um, it wasn't until here recently I found out Monica meant advisor. And so I've always been the type to talk. I've always been the type. And so he said, you're going to use what I gave you to do the job that I, that I want you to do, that you were born to do. And then there's me, and I'm like, public speaking? Right. No, no, not me. I don't know. So I'm getting there. I've, I've, I've um, done a few conferences and things, but he really eases my nerves now. Because when something's right, that's how it is. Yep. And so we just have to lean on his understanding and not our own. But well, I, I mean, look at this. I'm from the backwoods of Wayne County. I had no idea <laughs> what a podcast was. Had no idea. And so when God laid on my heart to, hey. Let's this, do this. I was like, oh, what? I know. You like, just have to be obedient. So far outside <laughs> of my area. You want like, me get on radio? <laughs> We were talking about that before we got started about my accent. It's southern, okay? It's not country, right? We, we all it's got southern. it. Yeah. That, that's we, right. all get, we all got it up here. <laughs> I tell my wife she got dirt between her toes. Oh, my goodness. That's how country she is. I'm, I'm guilty of that. But anyway, he, he said, you know, I'm going to set you down. I'm going to put you in this position. And in my mind at first, I was angry. You know, hearing, hey, you have six months to live. This is an uh, Okay, wait. Yeah. <laughs> We don't know that story. You I'm telling you, this, I'm, I've got it. Let me go back. My ADHD. Uh, yeah, is please. In. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. We Pause, need to rewind because I need to know why we only have six months to live. So here we go. Because it was eight years ago. So she clearly. Yes. Long time ago. Um, but it still feels like yesterday. Um, I had an incurable, what they told me, lung disease called. Are you ready for this? Fibrosing mediastinitis. Say that three times. Fibrosis mediastinitis. <laughs> I can't even so, I'm going to give it a shot, you know. Yeah. Fibrosis, medius, tinnitus. Tinnitus. Fibrosing, medius, tinnitus. Almost. You. I tried. You Bless did. You. It tried. was very close because at first I was lost. Um, at first I thought he was speaking Latin, trying to. Right, a different know. language. Duh. They're both That's, speaking in tongues. I hadn't heard nothing. <laughs> in tongues. <laughs> so they came in and they said, well, 
I said, is that cancer? You know, that's everybody's first thought. And they said, no, we wish it was because then there's treatment for it. There's no oh, treatment wow. for what you have. It's developed from histoplasmosis, um, which is from birds, uh, birds and bats and in the soil and things. We had moved into an older home. And so I was inhaling all of that in the attic where I shouldn't have been. I love history. And so the home was a bed and breakfast. Um, I was up there just snooping around and I was taking all of it in at, uh, in a large amount. Um, so it formed a small mass that grew into the size of a softball, Ooh. intertwined in the arteries of my heart. So yeah. every time I would move, it would move. I would always um, try to get enough wind to say full sentences. So I was talking really fast. So my kids are like, what? Um, but it affected a lot in my life. It affected my faith. Um, I had to, what I say, get real where I was fake at. Because even though I had worked at Sunday school, even though I had done all of these good acts, I still was lost. Right. And so it was then where I really had to, to figure out the difference between forgiveness and repentance. And I had to really give it to God um, and trust in Him. And I said, God, please keep me here. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Um, my family needs me. I'm the rock of my family. Um, at the time, my husband didn't know how to pay a phone bill. Um, my children were young. My parents needed me. And let me tell you how good God is. My dad and my mom formed a relationship as friends. My mother slept on the couch next to my hospital bed. She was battling stage four cancer and was sleeping on that hard couch taking care of me like a baby. Sorry. My dad would come and lay next to me in the chair watching me. And I just saw how God was moving in their life and how they were giving their life to him. And I mm. said, you know, sometimes people may get sick for other people. So I saw family that we had been bickering back and forth that drove from South Haven to come be at my side at least three times a week to Jackson at Baptist. And so it mended so many broken relationships and it formed a bond that we still have to this day. And I'm just thankful for that. Um, it helped me become the person that I needed to be, um, to be humble, to be able to be thankful for life and grateful. And I, I, I often say this, but, you know, I, I was the, sometimes the loudest one at sport, uh, sports events for my son or my daughter's beauty pageant, you know, and people's looking at me like I'm crazy, but they don't realize how much I fought to be there. Yeah. To fought, fought to be that mom. People said, you brag about your kids so much. You don't right, I do, <laughs> because I had to fight to be here. Yeah. So while I was in that hospital bed, I started reading scripture, not going to lie, become obsessed with it because I wanted so badly to go to heaven and I wanted my family to go to heaven. So I become much like a preacher. I would just, everybody that would come in and it could have been the pain medicine too. A lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a lot of pain medicine involved in, in um, oh. a morphine pump. <laughs> but I say that to say, you know, the feelings of, will my children find me? How, how am I going to die? Having to write my will, having to plan my funeral, um, do all these things at 28 years old that I was unprepared to do. And life is different in my eyes now. You're never the same after something like that. I went into um, home health and went on the journey of being a chaplain for hospice. And that's kind of how the ordination formed. Um, after that, you know, I, I ended up going and getting a doctorate in theology, going to seminary school, doing the works that I wanted to him to see that I was 
when I was bartering that God, I'm doing what you're right. asking, you know, just if you'll just give me what I want, if I could just live. That, I that's promise. it. My, my main thing. See what I'm doing? Yeah, you see? You see? You see? I'm but, doing it. I'm <laughs> but, my end. That's right. But I understood that it wasn't my works. It was my heart. And I often exhaust myself in community service and things like that. And sometimes I have to take a step back and say, this isn't really what he wanted. It's me changing my heart, ministering to people, showing God's love. But at the same time, you know, showing that there is grace, that he will give us the desires of our heart if it's his will. Um, I do believe that he did show me a little grace because I was probably on his nerves really bad. <laughs> Every time you would see me, I'm in there with an IV pole at the chapel. Like, you know, they're just looking like, I don't know what's wrong with this woman. But guys, I wanted to live. I just didn't think it was my time. There's so much more left here to do. And I am in recruitment in the Lord's army. And my son, I call him a soldier for the Lord. But I will say that it's forming into the woman I am. I am more harsh now on myself because, you know, the Bible says that those that preach, those that minister, we will be judged more harshly. And so I try to live in such a way that makes him proud. But I fall short, guys, so much. And so that guilt, Satan will instill that guilt in each yep. of us. And I'm sure in each of you guys, too, as you're up here changing lives to all these people that are listening. And so I feel that every day. And I have to get up and shake that off. And I have to say, you know what? I am worthy. Mm-hmm. He said so. Not this person or that person. Who cares what anybody says? And to our listeners, if you feel that same feeling and you know you've given your heart to God and you know your journey, don't listen to what everyone else says. Because this is your journey. This is your calling. And if you miss that, if you miss out on that because of what the next person has done, what's that going to say about you in the end? We're not going to be able to reap the benefits and the harvest that God right. has, has given to us, bestowed upon us. So that's kind of a little of my story. I, I am writing a book. Awesome. <laughs> um, nice. I just think that there's so much more in there that could help someone else. So. Most definitely. You definitely have one of them stories. We could we could do a couple. That's why I kind of, kind of wanted to just say like, okay, should we fast forward? You know, because <laughs> right. you know, like we we could sit here and talk about hours. We were here for an hour before we even started recording because you have so much that yep. you it can is. share. And so, yes. um, didn't want to know how much we wanted to condense that. But. That's right. Absolutely, I'm an open book. Um, you know, I'm, I'm unashamed. <laughs> I'm unashamed. Um, and I've been through a lot. But what, what I will say is, you know, my parents loved me. And my dad, when he gets off the phone every day, I'm proud of you. My nickname, Moni. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Moni. I, I love you, Angel. I, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And he reminds me, too, you know, steadfast. Do what you're supposed to do now because, you know, he's watching and you have an obligation. And I'm like, I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just yelled and screamed at my son, you know, like, I get it. But he he's so right in that because we get up and we're preaching God's word and it's dangerous because we have to walk in that. And, and, you know, it's one of the sayings that I use, you know, walk what we talk, not fake till you make, but walk what you talk. And so it's, it's hard because a lot of times I'm not the first person that gets invited to something. Well, don't invite her. You know, she don't drink or, or we can't cuss around her. She going to just talk about Jesus. Yeah. And, and that's not, you know, 
not entirely true. I mean, <laughs> I'm not now, that much of a buzzkill. But then that you know? turns into rejection. It does. And, and so you feel the, isolated. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and women, you know, uh, Christian women and men, it's just, you know, what we need to be doing is breaking down that division, but also getting together and not just in a church setting, getting families That's together, right. getting true people fellowship. together. That's right. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, just each day is a new adventure. Right. Most and definitely. I just try to do the best I can. Most definitely. But I do want to say that God healed me to whereas it was a death sentence, it was the beginning of my life from there on out. Um, you know, the doctors were stunned. They were looking at CT scans, um, comparing them to what used to be this mass in my heart, and now there was nothing. So there's no scar tissue I was almost 300 pounds being swollen in the hospital, all the medicines, and I'm up walking around, uh, no scar tissue on my lungs to whereas I needed oxygen before. I am breathing wonderful. So it, it just all praise goes to him and uh, just trying to make it one day at a time and not Amen. mess this whole thing up, you know. Amen. One <laughs> so day at a time. That's it. Put that on a T-shirt. There's going to be a lot of T-shirts. There's going to be a lot of T-shirts. Check out our Etsy page. Two <laughs> <laughs> X for me, please. Yeah, yeah. I think that is a great place for us to take a commercial break and to hear a word from our fantastic sponsors that have brought another year of Unashamed Recovery podcast. So we just heard Monica's amazing story of coming out of that generational curse. Stay tuned. After our commercial break, we're going to share some ways for you, our fantastic listeners, that you can step out of those generational curses. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Unashamed Recovery Podcast is heard around the world in over 42 countries, including over 780 cities in all 50 states here in the United States. People around the world are hearing the message of the hope of recovery from addiction, and that's because of listeners like you who donate, but also because of our sponsors. Local sponsors like D's Automotive in Meridian, Mississippi, serving the East Central Mississippi and West Alabama areas for over 42 years. D's is a name you can trust when it comes to your vehicle. For all your complete car care needs and service and towing and car locks, that's D's Automotive. Go by and see Miss Jeannie, Mike, and the boys at 5024 Poplar Springs Drive. That's 5024 Poplar Springs Drive in Meridian. Or give them a call at 601-482-1800. That's 601-482-1800. And tell them that Josh and Drew sent you. Now back to your normally scheduled programming right here on Unashamed Recovery Podcast. And we're back from our commercial break. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors that some of you may be out there like, and I'm going through something similar. Like, I'm stuck in this generational curse myself. What can I do? Well, you're in luck. We're, we have got some tips for you. But before we go into those, we've got more scripture for you. There's lots of scripture. Those verses will be put into the show notes. But this main verse that I want to share with you as we come out of this commercial break is, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The key there is the renewing of your mind. Hence the title of this episode, Renewal. Mm-hmm. 
because what? Yeah. What? Go figure. Full circle again. Full circle. <laughs> we like circles. You know, <laughs> if we're caught in these generational curses, that means that we have gotten stuck into this one way of thinking, passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. How do we get out of that? But how do you know if your family is in one? That's a good point. I imagine you have the answer to that. Well, I mean, it's just those things that seem to keep your family from progressing. Or like, say if your father had alcoholism and you stay in that same rut of alcoholism, uh, indecisiveness, anger, uh, just a disdain for people, life, all that kind of stuff. I mean, those depression, uh, when we're talking about anxiety, when we're talking about... um, even high cholesterol, when we're talking about even just all Obesity, of it. Obesity. I mean, yes. like literally, yes. you're laughing, Josh, but I, I mean, all of these things yeah. tie into it because it's all an attack on your body. It's all an attack on your, your mental well-being. Right. Like, you know, and that's just one of those things because I always ask myself, I hear about gener- generational curses all the time, but I never knew if I was actually in one. And the funny thing is, it's because I come from two different sides of a generation. So I'm adopted. So I come from the bloodline generational curses and then the adopted generational curses. So That's a good point. Yeah, and so I had to really decipher what I was dealing with and come to find out on the biological side of it is the addiction side. Uh, and on the, the non-biological side of it, can't talk today, is the anger, anger, depression, anxiety. Well, yeah, that, 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 that's saying. a learned yeah. yeah. So I mean, generational but, curse, right. but it's yeah. but it's a curse all the same. On. Okay. Right. Right. And to keep in mind, like j- you probably don't just have one generational curse. Right. Oh, I've got I'm just plenty. Saying, right. right. Yeah, we can like, go on. I killed the the whole, or my my not me. My dad killed the whole alcoholism generational curse in my family, but still passed on the anger problem. So, right. You know, and just because you yeah. you you're going through one or you have killed one, just remember you probably have more than one and. Yeah. Right. And that's the same with me. My my father, he killed the alcoholism in in ours. So, but lo and behold, I got hit with something else. But you know, but yeah, like when our parents step in on our behalf, and and end it right, right. there, man, we're we're blessed. Right. Like we 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 are we're given new life. Admittance, right. yeah. yeah. But you know, like you were saying though, Drew, how do we know that? That's also stepping out of denial. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have to come out of that denial, recognize of hey where we're at, which is a renewal of our mind. Full circle, full circle. Yeah, you re- to circle. to know if you're in a generational curse. I think you you really do have to kind of step back and give a full 360 look at your life, right, right. and your family and all that, and be able to be able, okay. And yep. and one thing okay. a lot of people don't talk about, myself included, is you know when when I do something wrong or when when I know and I recognize that, hey, I shouldn't be doing this, we're all quick to say, well, I inherited that or it's genetic or that's part of that generational curse. Yeah. So we also have to know that sometimes it's just us. Yeah. You know, we would love to to continue to blame other people, but sometimes it's Monica, you know, sometimes. And so it's Monica sometimes, you know, it is. And so we, (laughs) we have to also know that, um, 
we have to break things away from ourselves as well. And, and I'm, you know, guilty of being that person that's trying to point the finger. But as time goes on, I have to realize that was me that did that. Right. You got to be accountable for your own right. choices. Yeah, we've and, said and it some a million things. times. Like, it's not always the enemy that's attacking yeah. you. Because we no, can start you're, you're that chain over. <laughs> we can start what's been broken over and, and it will carry on. You know, anger, like sometimes, you said. Right. Sometimes I am the weapon formed against myself. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Sometimes. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> Sometimes I am the mountain that's in my own way. Yes. So I'm too. a pretty big mountain. <laughs> you are. I know. You are. But you were saying just a few minutes ago, we got to step back and see that 360 view. Right. Scripture gives us a great 360 view on this. Matthew. Matthew starts out the New Testament with genealogy of Jesus Christ. And it is the perfect 360 of generational curse being broken and coming full circle to Jesus. We look back in the Old Testament into Joshua chapter 2, and we are introduced to Rahab. Now, Rahab is introduced in Joshua as Rahab the prostitute. Now, not much is given to us about Rahab. She could be a prostitute because of generational curses. We don't know that. But what I love is in Matthew, in chapter 1, in the beginning of the New Testament, as he's laying out all of this about Jesus and he's giving us that genealogy, Matthew chapter 1, it says, Rahab, the grandmother of the Messiah. Come on. God changes labels Amen. and he rewrites stories. We see that being broken and being rewritten right there. Does it say what which grandmother he is? She is, I mean? No, because it all, it, it, with the genealogy. I only ask because I can't read Matthew chapter one because I can't pronounce half those names. So it's like, <laughs> okay, Adam was the son of, I'm just, nope. What's Straight to Matthew number two. Right. What's, what's interesting about <laughs> Matthew in that genealogy is we get the genealogy of all the men. Mm-hmm. But I think there's four, so that, maybe that, five women are mentioned. So and that would assume if we're just five, talking men, that should yes. be Joseph's mom, right? Maybe, well, it, it would predate David. Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. So anyway. Yeah. That would be great, great. All great, the women that are mentioned. Great. Ancestral. Grandmother. Yes, ancestral. There's that word. There we go. Ancestral. Ancestral. spell ancestral. Thank, thank goodness this is a podcast. You ain't got to. But all the women, I think it's five or six women that are mentioned in the genealogy, and all of them have shady past. Like, they're not clean-cut women. And I think we're getting... And Pastor Jim is still in that series yeah. talking about the, the women that's in Jesus' genealogy and how each of them play a significant role. They're far from what you would think of as the ancestor of the Messiah. Because when you think of the ancestor of the Messiah, you would think, okay, is this this would be uh, the ideal like woman. Like, you know, it would be very Blood blemish life. free, very you know, but they're not. They're all so it's interesting to see that the the few that are mentioned are all they got that that background. They all got that possibly a generational curse that they're dealing right. with. And then boom, we see grandmother of the Messiah. 
And Jesus, I mean, God and Jesus set this up perfectly because the 12 that he picked. I mean, obviously we know there was more disciples than just 12, but let's just take the, the OG 12. I mean, these are not good people. No, yeah. not you know at what all. I mean, like these yeah. are not these are not Pharisees. These are not people that are clean. These are the the Regular what people. what most people would call maybe even the scum of the earth. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why I feel like the reason it was done that way is to show that Jesus can use you. Absolutely, doesn't matter how dirty right. you are, Absolutely. how what your past is, or what even what your yes. present is. You know, Jesus. He wants the people that's been in the mud. Yeah, he didn't say, uh, well, I mean, go take a shower and then I'll clean you off. But right. think about it, though. And nothing against you two, but y'all know y'all haven't been through the addiction as far right. as drug addiction part of uh, the addiction process. Right. right. So it'd be hard for you guys to minister to me who's been through mm-hmm. the drug part of it. And it'd be hard for me to minister to people about the sex addiction part of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he pulled people out of the mud that he could use to change the entire world. Right. You know, can you use somebody who their, thinks they're not sick? He's or, taking, right. Yeah. Because Jesus, that becomes a pride thing at right. that point. Jesus takes their talent. Yeah. Gonna, you're fishermen. I'm going to make you fisher of men. That's yeah. right. You're good at catching things. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use you. I'm going right. to use that specific talent. And you know, you're, you're good at talking. Jesus said, I'm gonna, I want you to talk. That's right. I don't want you. Jesus wants me to shut up sometimes. <laughs> I talk too much. I can relate. Yes. I talk too much. Meaning oh. that for myself. But I mean, that's even like Peter with his anger. You yeah. know, he used that yeah. for the greater good. And it turned into a passion. And that's why he spoke to the 3,000. You know, but that was after Jesus I passed. Like Peter. I, absolutely. Definitely. So I just I don't, I don't wield knives and cut people's ears off, though. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about the Chosen series that is out. Uh, I love it. It's one of the, the greatest things that I've ever seen. Yeah. But in season one, there is a moment in that series where Jesus encounters Matthew. And Jesus and the disciples are basically passing in front of Matthew's little tax booth where he's collecting the money. And Jesus calls Matthew out to him. And Matthew just doesn't waste any time and he just runs to Jesus and in that moment one of the disciples and I can't remember which one it may have been Peter or I can't remember anyway one of the disciples asked Jesus are you sure do you know what he has done and Jesus looks at him he's like yes I do do you know what he's done do you know what you have done and right but am I using you but what a powerful moment that part went in there when I think of when I when I watch that moment, I get goosebumps because I think about Jesus knew all the dirt. Right. He knew every little bit about Matthew. And he's like, I still choose you. Man. Matthew was right. Matthew was meticulous. That's why we needed him. Yeah. I mean, you look at all the other all the other gospels and uh, Matthew is the one that like like you said, he breaks it first. It starts off. I was like, okay, let me tell you where, how we got here. Yeah. You know, Matthew's like, let's start from the beginning. No, like the beginning. Yes. I mean, he was just meticulous. The he rest, made it. He the made rest it. of them are just like, oh yeah, this happened. And then this happened. And Matthew's like, no, this happened. This is why it happened. Mm-hmm. And here's who was there. And, but he took a, t- a supernatural thing and made it really natural because he could go back and say, well, this is this oh, person yeah. came mm-hmm. from this person. Then this person came from this person. This person came from that person. All right. So now that I've given you where everybody came from to let you know that it is here on earth, 
All right, it's so real. That's what I'm this, saying. That's, let me tell you about these miracles. That's but, why I, I feel like that's why Jesus chose him. It's, he knew that he would listen and take it all in and be able to tell, okay, the facts. be meticulous. Could you imagine Jesus being like, all right, so these are my parents and my ancestors. I couldn't even tell you, like, <laughs> past my great-grandfather. Oh, but so, it, but it goes to say, too, that, you know, even in today's world, when we sin and then some worse than others or what they feel is worse, that God can still use us. Right. And regardless of our past or what we've done, and there's so many that feel like, well, I'm too broken or, or my sin is way worse to than it could ever be imagined to be glorified. And so that's where a lot of people are ashamed, like we talked about during our break. And so that's just wonderful that the grace that he's bestowed upon us lets us know that if he can use this person, he most definitely can use us. Right. Most definitely. And, you know, one of the more of the scriptures that really gives us clarity in that, and we're going to have all these scriptures in the show notes for you, and there's going to be some that we're not going to mention. We'll still put the show notes for everybody. But one of the scriptures that I really love is 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19, and it tells us now, this is the, the Josh version. This is, you know, Pared down for you have a translation yeah. of the Bible, yeah. This is the Josh version, and it tells us we are redeemed through Christ, which empowers us to break free from past cycles and forge a new legacy for the future. Put that on the t shirt, that, I mean, that right there is <laughs> too many words. Yeah, we're gonna have to paraphrase it, shrink it down. Yes, a par- bit. First, first Peter 118 is. That, that's, you know, I went way off track there, but that's basically sums up what it's talking about it is, that, is we are redeemed through Christ. And that breaks us free from all that baggage, all the luggage that we have been toting around with us through, through our life. You know, we, we're no longer bound to that. Christ has set us free from that. Absolutely. So, so Monica, we know you didn't come empty handed. You came with some tips and tricks about how to get us through generational curses. I did. And I'm excited because that's, look, we can do this whole podcast. All I need is the cliff notes. So go ahead. <laughs> give me the cliff notes. All right. So first and foremost, um, this is kind of what I go by to have become a child of hardship to a woman of worship, if you will. Mm. Um, I what really. I, that was about to see you beat me to a it. child of hardship. I'm getting a lot a of marketing ideas yeah. from this of podcast. Worship. These are mine, guys. We Don't only, steal them. We only require 5%. <laughs> we, can, we can work something out. So um, first and foremost is the full surrender. Um, that can mean different things to different people, but the surrender word, keep your eye on that. That's really important. It doesn't matter how I do it, how you do it. It's that we do it in a way that glorifies God. Amen. We're giving that to him in short to confess the sins of the sinning parent, um, or sibling or father, um, family ancestral to say, this is the specific need. God, I want you to cure this family of meth addiction. I want you to cure this family of fentanyl. I want you to do this this specific need. Because what happens is we get so caught up with asking him for all these things. But if it's important to us, it's important to him. So we have to call that out and confess that with our tongue. Um, that gives it power. It gives it authority. Most definitely. God gives us that authority, and we don't walk in it like we should as Christians. We we can heal the broken. We can break the curses. Um, like Josh was saying, um, you know, Jesus came, and he died, and he took those sins. 
And so a lot of people, plot twist, are thinking, okay, well, God has cursed our family. This come from God. He's cursed us. We're cursed. We, we can't get out of this. And that's not the truth. Instead, it's more like a generational consequence. It's learned behavior, like he said. You know, we see these things growing up, and so it passes on and on and on, but it still has to be broken. And ultimately, it is a curse. It is a curse. It is sent from the dark side, the the kingdom of darkness, from Satan himself. And so even though Jesus has come and he's died and he's took those sins and he's made it uh, a new beginning for us and he took our, our sin and our shame, it is still ongoing because we choose that for ourselves. Our family chooses to pass that on to us. So when we're when we're saying we're breaking the generational curses, it's after the fact as well. Um, even though Jesus died, we're we're still down here doing the same thing that we were doing before, right? right. So what's gonna happen? It's gonna progress. It's going to move through our bloodline. Um, to break the curse line of the demons. Now, I know that sounds kind of scary, and, and we were talking earlier, too, about how in, in some church settings, you know, we're afraid to talk about this. And like we, we spoke about before we got started, we didn't hear a lot of this growing up. No. You know, Southern Baptist Church, you know, they don't, you, you don't get up and hear, we got to break these generational curses. We got to draw out these demons, you know, and everybody would probably look at you like you were crazy. Yep. Last but not least, um, one of the tips and tricks, if you will, is to fully forgive um, a lot of the times, you know, I, I spoke about it a little earlier. We we say that we forgive, and then we bring it back up, or we 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 like to throw things in the person's face because they've hurt us. Because we're still healing, we're still hurt. And so, what I mean by that is to forgive and move on and give it to God because I've been guilty of giving it to Him and taking it back. And then I wonder why I didn't get the outcome that I wanted. So to repent, to speak that these curses be removed and also just for the the strength and understanding and for God to put a spirit of him in your heart so that you can learn. Because for those of us that had to venture out on this journey and learn about um, Jesus and the Bible and Christianity on our own, it was a hard walk. And a lot of the times, you know, we start out and we're looking at the Bible and we're like, what is all this? Because if you didn't grow up reading that, it's hard. It's hard to be an adult and to go back in that. But also, I it's believe... It's hard to read it growing up. It is. It is. You know, I would sit and I would read the Bible and I just had no understanding. But as I got older and I went through things, I was like, that's what that was about. That's how that story relates to what I'm going through. So yeah, it's really not that hard, guys. The, the, The trick is just to call it out demand it. Um, pray over your family. Pray for healing. Pray for increase. You know, like I said, God gives us that authority, but a lot of the time we don't believe in ourselves enough to walk in it. And that's okay because sometimes we have to step out on a ledge and say, okay, well, I may have been this person yesterday, but I'm not going to be that person tomorrow. Do not allow people that are closest to you to keep you from venturing off into who you know that God has called you to be. Sometimes it's the people that are in our innermost circle, and we listen to what they say so much more than a stranger. And so be careful that you're not sitting beside someone that is not for this because they may be comfortable in the life that they're living, and change is scary. We fear the unknown. So this is your walk, like I said earlier, and you're responsible for that. And so those are just some some things that you can do. Pray over your children now more than ever. Pray over your family. There's a lot of hurt out there. There's a lot of trauma. It will 
keep going. It will start with us. We, we are the chain breakers, so to speak. Um, the next generation that's coming, they're going through an extremely hard time. It's more addiction now. It's more uh, pornography now. You know, Satan is attacking our youth now more than ever, way more than what we went through at that age. So now is the time to speak life over your family. Speak forgiveness over your loved ones that even if they have not went to say that, hey, I'm sorry for doing this. And speak life over your sins and forgive yourself so that you can move forward for betterment. Uh And, you know, for anyone out there, what a great step one is as you, like what Monica said of full surrender. A great place to start with that is 1 John 1, 9. And that tells us that, you know, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and he will make us righteous through Christ. Yep. What a great stepping stone through that full surrender of utilizing 1 John 1, 9. Yes. If God said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. It is done. Yes. <laughs> so I, I don't know where you want to go from here, but my idea is, is tell me now that we know how, now we have some tri- uh, uh, tips and tricks to overcome generational curses. How did we fully get to renew? The, the, uh, anew. 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 Sorry. Sorry. Right. How did no. we fully get to anew? So it was after my hospice experience. You know, I had briefly been in law enforcement, different things, um, health care. Never in a million years would I have thought that I'd be doing ministry work. Um but God has a sense of humor. Right. And so I've always been this authoritative person, strict. I was a controller because if I gave the ball to somebody, I knew it would be dropped. I had to depend on me. And so like Josh was saying, you know, it, we, we have that control and we don't want to give it away, you know. And so that's kind of where Especially I was. Men. Yes. Especially that, men. That's kind of where I was in that. Um, And so I had to learn that not everybody was out to hurt me. Not everybody was out to get me, you know. Um, So in that walk, God put it on my heart, of course, when I was going through the sickness to do ministry and and to minister, not preach. I am a woman, and I just believe that that is my place in church is to minister and to speak the Word of God. Um, But it is my personal belief that I cannot preach, Um, that is a man's position and that's biblical. And so I feel like talking to women, I used to talk to men and women, and it's very few times that I speak to men now on a counseling aspect, um, faith-based. I send them to my male colleagues because there's so many different things that you guys will not be willing to talk to me about and vice versa. Right. So the women's ministry is what I'm, I'm more geared toward now um, it fulfills something in me to say that everything that I went through was not for nothing, that there is something that I went through that's going to help someone else. And that's what drives me. And to be honest, anybody ever heard of a Christian high where you just, yep. you do something and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like <laughs> I feel that high off of helping somebody else become a Christian or, or bringing them to God's word. And it just, it, there's nothing like it than to see that. And so that's what I I strive for. But at the same time, I want to be the woman that I needed when I was a child. 
somebody that would protect me, tell me the truth about things, about teen pregnancy, about all these different things that I was going through when I was broken. So now, you know, we have peer support specialists, uh, men and women that's been in addiction to where if you come to see us, you will be uh, connected with someone that fits what you're coming for, whatever your need is. So they went to the Mississippi Department of Mental Health, you know, so there, there are things set in place that... Um, is still a faith-based aspect. You know, we wouldn't be where we are without Jesus, but also kind of on that other mental health um, yeah, side of it. That's right. right. And so we we really are trying to expand. Um, it's very needed, especially in children, but also people my age. There's a lot of people our age that's broken yep. because we, we're trying to get out of that trauma phase and, and being in that survival mode, all of us. Well, you got to remember, we're on the cusp of that generation that was, just deal with it. Yes. Yeah. Get over Suck it. it up. Suck it up. That's right. What are you still worried yes. about it for? Yeah. You know, that's what we, that's the generation that my parents were. They Get up and walk it off. Yeah. Like, what are you, what and, are you doing? And some of that was effective, but then right. afterwards, you're dealing with people that don't know how to show emotion. And so these children are needing that. They're, they need that love and support. And so we're hardened. And in today's society, we're desensitized, every one of us. It's nothing to turn on the TV and see mass shootings and all these things. So I think and nobody it, bats an eye nobody. anymore. Nobody. And it's so sad. And so to show that compassion, that's what I try to do. Um, and it is hard a lot of the time because things now are so much worse um, in what I'm hearing. And so I go home and I'm looking at my children and I'm thinking the little girl that I talked to that was molested or the boy that's cutting himself or all these different things or the woman that is, you know, going through suicidal thoughts while trying to be a mom and all these things I'm listening to and I'm going home and they say, well, don't bring your work home. There's no way in today's society as Christians that we can't feel that pain. And so what we have to do is pray for them where they are, Pray that God will touch them, and we have to give it to him because he does not want us to be so beat down day in and day out and, and be burnt out, so to speak. I've experienced that these last few weeks, you know, because it's just we take on so much. Right. So I'm definitely glad it's the holidays. <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to take some downtime, but the, but the honest-to-God truth is this. In this line of work or in any line of work when you're doing ministry, and even if you're a practicing Christian, your work is never done. And so that's what the Bible calls long-suffering. We are all in long-suffering, and we're dying each day to Him. But at the same time, we are trying to live the best of our ability and be grateful because He wants us to enjoy, you know, the fruits of our labor. He wants us to live life abundantly. But it's hard to do as a Christian right now. It's hard to do in the society that we're in right now. So I say all that to say, a new was formed as a new creation. It was formed to help people where they're at, not going back into their past you know I know that's important but what can we do for here and now what can we do to move forward yeah. that's what I want to talk about so it, it's it's a it's a huge a blessing yeah. yes and I think I, I think you kind of alluded to something that I know we're about to talk about anyway and that's the fact that I could go through or we we me and you could go through the same exact thing mm-hmm. and have two completely different outcomes oh absolutely you want, to, you want to talk about that for a minute, don't you? Yeah. Um, so something new that I want to bring up this year is the big takeaway from each episode. Is that As we wrap up and get to the end of each episode, 
I want us to be able to have some kind of big takeaway from that episode. And Monica hit on it earlier. She talked about how we have a choice. Uh, basically, we had the choice of coming out of our generational curse or we can stay in it. And I came across this story of two brothers that was raised by an alcoholic father. And one of those boys grew up to become an alcoholic. And when people asked him, you know, what happened? He said, well, I watched my father. Yeah. That's, I mean. Pretty cut and dry. Dad yeah. drank? Right. Dad drank, I so I drank. Oh, that's okay. okay. Accepted. Yeah. Right. Dad, dad led by example. Well, the other son, he grew up and never drank once. Never had a drop of alcohol. And when they asked him what happened, he said, well, I watched my father. Wow. Yeah. You experience things different. Your Absolutely. perspective will determine your experience. Yes. You have a choice. Yeah. So as we as we wrap this thing up and let's do a quick recap for all those out there that are that are taking notes. Number one for for how to get out of this generational curse, how to break that cycle. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Palmer. Full surrender. Full surrender. Palmer ding, ding, ding. is taking notes. You, sir, are awarded one point. One point for Gryffindor. <laughs> this is kind of like whose line is it anyway? Oh. The, 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 the points, the points matter. don't matter. <laughs> Number two, confess our sins or confess the sins of our sinning ancestor or our parent or our sibling. But confess that. Speak it out loud. There's power in our words. Palmer has said it time and time again on here. There's power when we speak it out. Confess yeah. those sins. Confess it, and, and I would I would add, break it off, like I know. Yes. out loud. Okay, I know this curse is on my family, and I break that that uh, I bind that and break that now. Yes, yeah. right. And then the third one is to break the curse line of the demons. Right, I said it right. Correct. Mm-hmm. Make sure I said it right. Break <laughs> that curse line. Mm, I'm putting a smack it down on them demons. That's right. <laughs> Right. right, and then that last one, <laughs> Drew. You want you, you for Palmer got a point on you. You, you want to try and tie it up, get get an extra point. You, do you know what the last one is? Let's see. He wasn't paying attention. I was paying attention. Full forgiveness. Fully. Up. Oh, Palmer got two points. Palmer wins this round. Y'all are so mean to me. <laughs> yep. What it is. Full, full so, forgiveness. Full guess what, guys? I forgive you. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Fully. Thanks, Drew. Hmm. We appreciate and it. And <laughs> when you apply all of those into that uh, to that cycle of the generational curses, that's whenever you will start to see victory. When, when we apply God's promises and apply God's victory, when we put that into the problem, we will see victory. So... Work on that, to start to put that into practice, develop that into your daily recovery journeys. You know, Monica, we have a tradition here on the show. We want to honor you for coming on here and and being so vulnerable and open with our listeners. We want to give you just a moment. If somebody, just a moment, moment, very slight. If somebody (laughs) out there is going through what you went through and they needed to hear just a just a, a, a message of hope, what would you say to them? You are being watched. 
Um, That's scary. Always keep that in mind because there is so many children that are looking to see how you're going to react. I learned that the hard way a lot. But the truth is, is that it's not just your enemies that's watching. It's your loved ones. Mm. How is this person going to handle this? So be mindful of how you react to being attacked. One thing I should have added is when you begin to be on this walk and when you take this journey, you will be attacked and you need to be prepared for that. Um, Satan's hope is that they can get you back into where you're trying to get out of. So just know that you are being watched and it is scary. It is, but always try to glorify God out loud. I used to say that I wanted to become the woman that I needed and I think that I have finally almost stepped into that. It's a work in progress, but but that's what I would say is just to remember who's watching. Don't give up. Right. Somebody out there is seeing that you're smiling through the pain. Somebody out there is seeing how you're going to react to the abuse that you've been put through. And so strength comes from consistency and not giving Satan that glory of that trauma. So, Amen. Very well said. Very well said. And Monica, you know, we... We have a very good uh, working friendship with our local recovery community here in Mississippi and also with other recovery podcasts. If, if somebody would like for you to come and share on their recovery group or on their recovery podcast, or if somebody is just wanting to reach out for some help through a new counseling, what is a great way for somebody to be able to reach you and make contact? Sure. So it's a new counseling and wellness, and you can find us on Facebook. Um, also type in at a new Mississippi to get there easily. Um, we also are connected with the hope line, which is a 24 seven crisis, uh, faith-based trauma response team. So there is someone around the clock that is for you guys. If you're struggling, um, I can also be reached and the office number is 877-633-0362. I would love to come and speak, help as I can. And if we can't get that or have that for you, we have resources that can. Awesome. And we'll have all that contact information in the show notes as always. The one last thing about generational curses is not one of them is irreversible. Amen. All of them can be changed. Good closing point, Drew. Good closing point. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Unashamed Recovery Podcast. I hope that you have found it helpful and I hope that you have found it encouraging. Want more recovery content? Visit our brand new website, unashamedrecovery.com for our new sobriety and recovery themed blogs to take you deeper into your sobriety and recovery journeys. That's where you'll also find all the links to our social media. There you can even donate to the show to help us reach more people still lost in the darkness of addiction. Also check out more amazing recovery podcasts over at Take 12 Recovery Radio Recovery Podcast Network. The link is in the show notes as well as under the partners page on the new website. That is all for this episode. Episode. Remember to stay sober and above all else to keep 12th stepping as you stay unashamed. We love you.
do anything you call me.